Welcome into Scoop Du Jour, Ed Easy Smith. That's a cool nickname. I'm excited to get into where that nickname came from, but we're here with a former NFL tight end, minor league baseball player. You spent nine years in the minors. You spent six years in the NFL. You have quite the resume, but there are a number of things that you are now a radio personality, podcast host, fellow podcast host, <laughs> motivational speaker, published author. Um, so many things. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. And it's funny, some of the, we have these conversations and, you know, in a few minutes, we got to know each other before hitting record. You know, I love how we learned a couple of things about each other and, and and it leads into a better conversation. So thank you so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. It, it really is so nice. Like every time I'm like, wait, I wish I was recording all of those things we talked about, but you know what? It makes it makes me think that this is just going to be an incredible conversation on the mic, um, just as well as it was off of the mic. You and I were talking about just the incredible career you had on the field. Like I said, so many things you are doing and have done off of it, and you and I connected on a couple of those, um, which we'll get to. But I think for those who aren't familiar with who you are, um, you're professional career is an interesting one because what we were talking about is everyone wanted you to be the football guy to play football. You took yeah. a little bit of a different path. You did baseball. Walk me through um, what you did athletically and, and how you got to where you got, because it's a little bit untraditional, right? Yeah. I, you know, I, I started out, you know, football was not even something I enjoyed when I was a kid. I played it one time when I was eight years old and I was very, you talk about my nickname. I was very easy going and laid back. I wasn't one of those you know, kids aggressive. And so I played football when I was eight years old and I did not like it. And after like the first or second practice, I came home, both my brother and I, he's two years younger than me, came home and I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. Aww. And she said, okay, well, look, you know, we don't quit around here. So whatever you do, you're going to have to finish this one out. And then if you don't want to do it from there, that's cool. So I ended up playing that first season, didn't play much on the field. Uh, after that one year of football, I actually played soccer for four mm -hmm. years leading into high school. Once you get to high school, you know, I was I'm dating myself in the early 80s, uh, you know, going into high school. Soccer wasn't a thing to do. I know we're going to the <laughs> world. We're doing the World Cup right now. But right. So, you know, I kind of was like, you know, I'm just going to sit this one out. I wasn't going to play soccer in high school. And the football coaches had heard about me and my size and everything I did on the basketball court and uh, uh, baseball field. And they basically came and 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 started recruiting me and one of my friends he uh was he was not very athletic but he thought hey let's, let's go out we were sitting in a gym one day and he said let's go out for the football team and you know maybe you know it might help us you know become popular maybe you know win our way with the girls you know so a week later i was just starting tight end on the freshman team and he quit he turned his uniform <laughs> one and the rest is history from there i started playing football uh, you know, all state by my senior year. I was a punter. I did all the kicking, tight end, uh, defensive end. I did a little bit of everything. And uh, like I said, but at the same time, I was all state uh, baseball player and I was all South Jersey basketball. So I had some choices and decisions. What I my my love was baseball from the time I was a little boy, first time I stepped on the field. And, you know, the football coaches, they get notoriety from. The, for the program, when we when we used to go to big schools, we you know I was in South, grew up in South Jersey. We had guys all over the state, you know, all over my yeah. county, choosing big schools, and 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 it was cool, you know, and I and that's what they wanted me to do. 
I decided to follow my dream, though, and I, you know, a lot of people pushing me in that football direction. What happened is I eventually uh, I took a few of my visits. Uh, I ended up deciding to go to the University of North Carolina, go Tar Heels, and sign that. a full full ride to North Carolina on a baseball scholarship. Which normally what they do is they break your baseball scholarship up to give you this and some financial aid. And I told them because you know I always had the other options, so they gave me a full ride, and my plan was to go play baseball full and then if i wanted to play football on the side i was going to do it and then the the 1987 draft came along chicago white Sox drafted me in the se- seventh round haggled with them for a few weeks um coach at north carolina kept trying to pull me back and, <laughs> but eventually i went that route i signed with the with the white Sox. went down to rookie ball that year and the long and short of it i spent nine years climbing the ladder topped out in triple a and then at one point decided maybe, you know, give football a chance. You know, baseball was getting on my nerves a little bit. And I started <laughs> thinking about other things to do. And it was just my brother was in the league at the time. My brother, two years younger than me, had went to Notre Dame, played under Lou Holtz, uh, was in the league playing for a first-round pick for the Saints in 93. And, you know, a few years later, 95, I was contemplating my decision to play baseball those years and then decided – I'd give football a try, but ask my little brother first what he thought about it. He stamped my approval. And then, like I said, you know, I think you uh, mentioned I played a bunch of years in the NFL, went to Super Bowl with the Falcons in 98. I also played – I played over Europe in yeah. 96. That's how I got my start to get back here to get into the NFL. And famously played in the – after my football – my NFL careers, I played one year with the XFL right. in 2001 to cap everything off. So – as you mentioned, it's a, it was a, it was a journey, you know, 15 years between the two of them and a lot of bus rides, a lot of fancy meals, you know, playing the NFL, I experienced it all and uh, incredible journey. And I wouldn't give it up for anything. It's so neat, the trajectory and just the fact that I like the story of kind of never giving up. I think it's always interesting when you talk to baseball players who did go through the minor league system Um it's, it's a tough one, right? You really have oh, to yeah. find out spending nine years there. What made you, one, stick with it, and then one kind of decide once you re- reached the AAA level that maybe you didn't want to kind of keep pushing for that MLB contract yeah. that would come? That's an interesting I, – I, the love of the game is what made me go through it for nine years. I know a lot of guys who put a couple in and they were like, yeah, I'm, no, I'm out. They tapped yeah. out. You know, we, it's not you know, glamorous. It's not glamorous. You know, there's a lot of long bus rides. I can tell you about Portland, Maine to Canton, Ohio, 14 mm-hmm. hours, leaving after a game at night or leaving in the morning to, to get mm-hmm. home late in the afternoon. And that's your off day, you know, truck stop meals, uh, you name it. You know, you see the yeah. movie, the, the most entertaining baseball movie for me ever is Bull Durham. And yes. that's the closest. I mean, I, I lived that life and, you know, they glamorize some of it and go over the top with some of it, but that is a true depiction of that lifestyle. And it's rough, especially at the lower levels, you know, you get mm-hmm. up. I remember when I was in Buffalo playing in AAA with the um, Indians, you know, we're flying all over the place to new Orleans and, you know, Oklahoma city and all these much nicer cities than I played in, you know, at the lower levels, you know, so yeah. that's what kept me going for a while. Interestingly enough, <clears throat> I was playing through, the steroid era, mm. Jordan, and I, I I was a dude, and I can honestly tell you, I never touched a steroid in my life. I, I watched guys from my 1987 through 95 when I played the game 
steroids in the early 90s and on were just it was rampant and i watched yeah. guys i started watching guys that i knew were taking the stuff because you know we all talked and we all you yeah. know in the minor leagues i saw guys climbing ladders and all of a sudden getting into the big leagues you know making the hundreds of thousands of dollars while i'm still twiddling in the minor leagues and it just got to a point where i was just like this is ridiculous yeah. so i was fighting a losing battle and the final cap for me came in 95 or 94 when they had the strike season yeah. Uh, you know, baseball went away. Minor leagues, we continued to play. I went over to Dominican Republic that year, played winter ball, came back 95, and I'm getting all these offers from because they wanted scab players to come play and take place at the big leaguers if they didn't go to spring training. And I was like, look, I signed a contract with the Indians. It was a AAA contract. And I said, you know, look, you know, I'm playing AAA baseball. I'm not going. So I get to training camp, and every single day, uh, Mike Hargrove, who was the manager at the time, He's coming over from the big league camp and they had that, you know, the scab players over there and he's riding over on his golf cart every day to AAA. We're over on my side and he called me off the field. I'm trying to take batting practice. I'm trying to take my ground mm -hmm. balls. Hey, I'm Mike, what do you want? Ed, look, I need you over here. You need to come over here. And because, you know, we're going to give you a great look and, you know, mm -hmm. this is your opportunity. And I'm, you know, this, this is my ninth year and I'm thinking, that sounds great, yeah. but. I signed a minor league contract. I'm not crossing any lines. I used to tell them every day, appreciate the offer, Mike. I said, I'm, uh, when everything is settled, you know, I'm going to come back. I'm going to, you know, I'll be here when you, when you need me, when, it, when it's the right. So what happened was, you know, player, the players associated at the time, they're battling with the owners and it's all this, they're like, you know, Ed, we appreciate the players unit. Ed, we appreciate you sticking on our side, you know that. Okay. That's cool. So the strike finally breaks. I ended up signing, I broke camp with my AAA contract. I'm in AAA this year. I'm leading the American Association in home runs, average, RBIs, everything, the first month of the season. The strike breaks, they come back, bring the 40-man roster guys back. And I don't know whether it was something from above, but what happened was all the players who went over there and crossed the line, when their players' yeah. union came back, every one of them had a black mark on them. And they said, we, and they literally look, took a list we never want to see these guys again. The owners have made promises to all these guys who cross. Hey, we're going to take care of you when this is done. When it was all said and done, they went to every one of those guys. All the things they promised them, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. And they were never to be seen again. Meanwhile, a guy mm -hmm. who supported the union and just stayed out of it, I get there. I'm doing my job thinking, okay, this is my opportunity. Next thing you know, Jordan, I'm sitting on the bench for 14 days in a row. Oh. I'm, Sat a double header in Des Moines. These are the things you remember. Yeah. Everybody plays. And a double header, everybody plays. I actually right. sat to a double header in Des Moines, Iowa. And I'm everybody's looking at me. And every day I'm coming in, I'm looking on the lineup card. What's going on? Guys are like, I have no idea, you know, because I know the 40 man roster guys had come down. They had the guys they need to play. But mind you, I was a first, I played third base on an everyday basis. I could play first base. I started playing a little left and right field. And I could also D8. So you had five positions or spots right. you could put me in line. So what happened was I sat for 14 days. No explanation, no nothing. We get back from a road trip in Buffalo. I come in. I see my name on the lineup card. I was like, holy cow, what the hell? So I go out, do my job, one for four that day. Next thing you know, I'm being called into the manager's office. Hey, the organization loves what you're doing, but we're going to send you back down to double A so you can, you know, get. we want to see you play every day and up here. That was the breaking point for me, Jordan. Mm -hmm. I went from flying around the country, you know, one step away from the big leagues, back right. to a bus bus league in the Eastern League, 
Like I mentioned that 14 hour bus ride from Portland, Maine to, to Canton, Ohio. I went back from to that. And I, that, and that summer well, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And that's when I started thinking, you know, I'm done with baseball. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I started thinking, and I had one of those nights where we had a rain out in Canton, Ohio. I was back in my little apartment, raining outside, no game that night. And I just started thinking, man, what if I went and played some football? And the conversation or the, the thought started sprinkling in my mind and called my brother down in New Orleans that night asking this crazy question. What if mm-hmm. I got, you know, I finished this season, got in shape, and then maybe see if I could get a, a workout, you know, a tight end mm-hmm. in the NFL. And his words, if anybody could do it, Ed, you can, I'll support. And that's kind of sparked everything. But that was the journey and the decision. That's what caused me to even think about leaving baseball. And then my biggest foe almost was almost trying to talk myself out of it because I thought it was such a crazy idea. And that's why, you know, when I speak to people and, you know, these groups, I'm a motivational speaker. I was sometimes our biggest enemies are ourselves because we try to talk ourselves out of taking what I call that leap of faith. And I was, like I said, there were many a night and day. I just kept saying, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. And even after that season, because I finished that season in 95, I, I weight lifted off my shoulder. I knew I was done with baseball. Didn't tell a soul. And when the final out was played that 95 season, I was like, okay, on to the next. But yeah. I still didn't tell anybody for a long time till I, you know, worked my way through some things. And then next, you know, I, I, I bump into guys and I talk to guys all the time. I remember I was sitting home one day and I looked up and they were talking about this tight end named Ed Smith over in NFL, you know, the World League of America. And I was like, that can't be Thank the one you. I know. And sure enough, it was me. So That's amazing. Well, I really like what you I mean, not like what you said, but it's interesting about, you know, kind of one bad situation, but a buildup can leave a bad taste in your mouth. Um, and I think yeah. it will resonate with a lot of people, athletes or, you know, sports related or not. You have a bad work situation and you're like, what do I do? I have to make a change, right? Yeah. And yeah. you have to be the one to make a change. And I, I certainly have been in that situation where it's like the only person who can make that change is you. Um, and even if that means taking a leap of faith and doing something different. Um, so I think that will resonate with a lot of people. And I like what you said with that. I also love how your your brother was such a big factor. Um, so do you guys have a close relationship? You must. Absolutely. Yeah. And he was he was my catapult into the league. I remember, like I said, he is, you know, I play, play minor league baseball. I watched him at Notre Dame. You know, now he's in the NFL and I'm flying out to New Orleans to see him. And I'm, you know, after I'm done while hanging out with him, I'm driving over to Arizona or wherever to get ready yeah. for my baseball season to watch him kind of <clears throat> go up the ladder and do what he did. And my brother will be the first one to tell you to this day. Cause you know, we have my brother playing in the NFL eight years. My nephew is currently yes. in the league or Smith jr. So it's mm-hmm. in our family blood. And we always get the question like, who's the best athlete in the family, that type of thing. And I want to know what's bro- in the water. What are you guys drinking? <laughs> my brother will tell you every time he's like, I'd like to say it's me, but it was that he actually wanted to really? be me. When he went to Notre Aww. Dame under Lou Holtz, he actually played his first two years baseball. Lou asked Coach Holtz if he could play baseball because he wanted to be like me. He gave That's it a funny. shot, and after his sophomore year, Coach Holtz was like, look, you need to figure out where your bread is buttered. <laughs> you need to come back over here and make totally. full time. But my brother, like I said, what he was doing in the NFL at that time, and, you know, me knowing I was a great, you know, a good, let's call good athlete, uh, you know, I was watching him do what he was doing. I was thinking, man, you know, and not saying if Irv can do it, I can do it too. But it was almost like, man, I see what he's doing. And you know, I wonder, 
you know. And you know, I was fortunate enough to to, to get into the league, and we played against each other. Yeah, my first active game in the league was against the New Orleans Saints. I was, you know, with yes. the Falcons. And the the pride of the two of us standing across, we actually stood on the same line looking across the field at each other doing a national anthem. And then That's in that so same cool. game, I was on the hands team. We were as late in the game. We were ahead. And I was on the hands team. And I happened to be the first line on their line of scrimmage, on their sideline so i'm sitting there and i'm getting ready and i'm no you know getting ready the ball might be kicked my way and i hear this 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 uh voice over my shoulder it's my brother and it was like the coolest thing you know him and a couple guys give me a little stuff and and you know throughout our careers we played against each other a few times you know san francisco he was with san francisco we played him three times the year i went to the super bowl you know just a big family affair for my mom and dad they yeah. had an opportunity to travel around the world, not just the country, because the world. They came over and saw me in Europe when I was playing football. They traveled across the country to see me play baseball. You know, they followed my brother everywhere. And then for us to be playing against each other, uh, you know, it was so cool. You know, when we when I was in, he came out to he'd come out to Atlanta. We'd all go out to dinner. Then I'd take him back to his hotel. And mom and dad would either stay with me or they'd go to their hotel. And it was just like. You know, it was the coolest thing in the world. And I said, my brother and I, we we joke about it all the time. Whenever he sees my NFC championship ring, he tries to take it off my finger. Because <laughs> he's like, that should be my ring. Because he was. He with. doesn't have one, right? No, no. He went to the playoffs a couple of times, but never. You know, like I said, I was the only one who went to the Super Bowl. Uh, the yes. year we went. Yeah, we beat That's them. Awesome. We beat uh, them in the divisional game. Went to Minnesota, which he came up and watched. Uh, and then we obviously beat Minnesota to go to the Super Bowl. And then he was in my mom, dad were there, but just, uh, you know, we have so many great memories and the memories didn't start at professional ball. They start when we were little kids, you know, and those are the things that uh, we, we have, we laugh about the most and reminisce about the most because those are really special. Then, you know, it was all topped off by the fact that we can talk about what we did in the NFL together as well. Yeah, I mean, that's such a unique thing, and it's so rare, though there are a lot of siblings in the NFL now. I think I just saw yeah. a story on it this week. On, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and on ESPN. And it, it, But it's obviously so hard to get into the NFL, yet there there are a number of siblings. Like you have the Diggs, the Bosa's. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it's so neat. I think it's also really cool how you mentioned your parents because it's so special. Um, though I'm curious when they were, when you guys were in a game against each other, did they do like that split Jersey situation? (laughs) Yeah, no, they just, my mom, she would always just root for us both to come out (laughs) of the game healthy. My dad, my dad wanted us both to score four touchdowns a piece, you know, and whoever (laughs) won, won the, the one year when we were, uh, I was in Atlanta, he was in, uh, San Fran we were still in the same division at that time. The uh, NFC West, we they, we went out there in week three and they pounded us, you mm. know. And then we came later in the year. We were everybody saw we were for real. We they came to our place and they beat us, or we beat them. And I remember right. asking my mom after the game, "Who are you rooting for in that one?" And she actually secretly said, "Well, because they beat you guys so bad and so early in the season, well, I was bad. hoping you guys got one." And then I, you know, then the NFC Championship or the uh, divisional came came later on. Uh, just a few weeks later in that year, I was like, who are you rooting for this time? She was, she was like, mm, I'm not giving you that one. <laughs> she <was> like, no. <laughs> so, Even during the regular season, and then she's staying quiet. Yeah, she's staying quiet. But it was so cool 
to see my mom. And, you know, when there were opportunities, not when my brother and I were just playing together, we're playing against each other, but, you know, going up to New York to play the Giants or Philly. I played in Philly in uh, 99. It was like being in high school. I was staying at home, you know, going across the Ben Franklin Bridge, about a 45-minute commute every day in the work. But, you know, I was coming home like I was in high school, you know, playing with the Eagles at the time. And, you know, you know we get the – Saturday when I had to go to the hotel and then Sunday I'd either have a whole bunch of people at the game up in Philly or, you know, when we were playing close like New York or Washington or something like that, had family down for those. So it was just a magical ending, you know, to to be, you know, just to finish things out the way I did. But obviously the whole ride with the family was just unbelievable. Well, it's not every day you get to talk to someone who's played in a Super Bowl. So is that experience as, kind of magical as it seems or as a player does it feel like any other game no if i went to 15 of them every one of them would be magical but just to go to one unbelievable just the the feeling when we i was out there on the uh, field goal unit when we kicked the winner in uh, minnesota so you know my mom she had been so stressed out because they went out to san fran to watch my brother play the packers but back to Jersey, came down to see us play each other. And then we had, we won and went up to Minnesota and she said, look, I'm gonna have to sit this one out. You know, we're going to watch from home. But when the field goal went up and through the uh, goalposts, I'll jump like that Toyota commercial. My mom said, <laughs> she's right there in unison. With me. She, so to do that. And then, you know, and then for somebody like myself experiencing the lows of minor league baseball, right. and all of a sudden you told me you fast forward a few years. And I remember, the week leading up to us flying out for to Miami for the, the week that we were going to be in Miami. I mean, we were rock stars. And then, you know, you go down to Florida, to Miami, everywhere we went, police escorts. We had our own rental cars. We had the back entrance to the hotel. We were superstars. And then I remember the day of the game, just, you know, I, you know, you know, like even the night before, it's funny. I have a picture on my wall here. They caught me the last Walkthrough we had on Saturday, the one walkthrough we had at the stadium on Saturday, I had drifted off myself and I was kind of in a squat position, just looking around. And I, somebody from the Associated Press took a picture, caught me sitting there, and it made the paper in different Aww. spots across the country. And like I said, just to be, you know, the thought, the feeling of coming out of the tunnel on that Sunday yeah. when the whole world was watching and then thinking about my journey to get there unbelievable I, the experience i i get i get chills every year when chills. We get, yeah when we get to you know talking about it i get chills but when the super bowl comes around every year and they and i have a 12 year old son and a 30 year old son but they watch the um the highlights you know when they do the super bowl reruns yeah. and, I, and they you know they man i'm telling you they it's, it's really proud i'm very proud of the accomplishment to get there, but the, the experience itself was unbelievable. And then and everywhere I go, people see my NFC championship ring when I wear it. And there are not many people who have those. And, you know, like I said, it's a very, it's something that really sets me apart, even my short uh, time in the NFL. And like I said, you throw in the, the baseball career as well. Do you wear it every day? No, no, that's a, I, yeah. I just when, when I'm, when I'm doing, when I'm big meetings, Speaking events, I, well, I, you know, when I do, because I do radio out here, I usually yeah. wear it every Saturday when I do the radio show because we do a lot of, we do all live remotes, you know, and across the valley. So, you know, we go out and do them at a sports bar, this or that, you know, I like to take it then, but it's not an everyday thing. It's in this case. Um, most of the time, 
But like I said, when I when I'm trying to impress, I'll pull it out. That yeah. and a nice watch. They go good. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you mentioned the Super Bowl. Like every year it's so exciting. So do you have a, a pick for this year? Who do you I guess who do you think and who do you want? Two different you know, what I would have wanted was all of my fantasy football teams to make it. Hey, me too. Which none of them did this year. I was over three, just bad. As far as rooting for a particular team, no, I root more for coaches and people that I had great experiences with because a lot of guys I play with or some of my coaches are still in the league. Oh, nice. I root, I root for them. And Andy Reid, I played under him. I have two tight ends coaches that are on the Phil, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers roster. You know, they're okay. coach, still coaches. Um, you know, I and then imagine players. the Vikings. You're you're oh yeah, always for my, nephew, my nephew. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I was just out there a few weeks ago. They played the Cardinals. It was all oh, so great to see my nephew out there. Um, so cool. So you know, I root for not necessarily teams, but people. And obviously, my my nephew. Uh, as far as who I think is going to be in it, man, I tell you, the, the Eagles look pretty good. Yeah, I, I just they they just look so consistent. I know people don't like they you know they're not enough flash for them, but sometimes you don't have to be flashy. You just got to be good. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be tough to beat the Eagles, especially if they have home field advantage. On the other side, everybody's preaching Buffalo, but I don't know. Yeah. Kansas City, Kansas City to me is always that wild card. And But we also know Cincinnati is Kansas City's kip, uh, kryptonite. So Very it'll be interesting. True. I think it's a three-team race over there, over on the other side, I think, with the Eagles, uh, you know, rolling. And San Francisco, if Garoppolo was there, I'd say – I know. You know it's just that hard for me hard. to stay with. Yeah. yeah, it's just with Purdy. It's just hard to because he is a young quarterback. We, we just don't know. So I think Eagles and then on the other side is a three team race. Jalen Hurts <laughs> has been my uh, fantasy MVP. I'm very uh, happy. Yeah. <laughs> He's yes. He gets uh, me like my my league. I It's two quarterbacks and the point system is crazy. I get like so many points from him. So I have him and Josh uh, Allen. So I'm, I'm very, very lucky. Knock on wood. Feel my um, pain on this. I'm going to give you two. <laughs> Uh, Tom Brady, who had the year of his life last year, all of a sudden this year is like, oh my God, killing me. And totally. then in, a, in another league, I had Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers. Ah, oh. just and one of the I mean, I think just you go with about, the legacies, and they're just oh my down. goodness, just killing me. Any other year, what? Yeah. Okay, so the Cardinals. So now you're in Arizona. What brought you there? Uh, in 1991, I was traded from the White Sox to the Brewers. Spring training was always in Florida when I was with the White Sox. They've right. since then moved here. But the Brewers' uh, spring training was here. So in 92, I had my first spring training. Uh, loved it. Uh, ended up spending my winters here like I did in Florida all those years. And So I was here for about three years or so before I made the switch to football. When I went football, I went back east for a little bit because my teams were over there. I ended up uh, living in Atlanta for seven years. Bought my first house over there and was settled. And in the early 2000s, just – my mom and dad started coming out here to visit my brother more because he bought a house out here. They were coming down to see me in Atlanta, but I just noticed everybody was congregating out here more. Yeah. I came out for a little visit. Next thing you know, I'm selling my house. Here I am 20, uh, 19 years later and, you know, never thought I'd be this far west. I thought, if not Atlanta, just like yeah, I, I thought North Carolina was going to be my spot and just like she came out here. Um, next, you know, here I am. Just I love it. You know, we, and this, don't stay here for the summers. <laughs> too hot. It's all yeah. about these 65 degree days now. Through, totally. You know, yeah. So <laughs> very envious of that right now as I'm staring at like a 20 degree Chicago day. Oh but, yeah, I know um, those. Yeah. Oh, I know, right? Uh we're we're like a, a white Sox. Well, I, I grew up a Cardinals fan. Um, but my boyfriend's a White Sox fan. Okay. So 
We're not Cubs, which is, you know, good <laughs> I here. played for both of them. Oh, yeah, that's I, right. Yeah. yeah, you're all the teams. Um, so we have to go back to this North Carolina um, connection because you and I, we didn't know. Well, I didn't know. Absolutely um, not. You were yep. committed to Carolina until we were off the mic at the beginning. And um, I knew all, all of these teams were recruiting you for football, but then you mentioned – Carolina wanted you for baseball, and it's always cool to meet someone who is a, a Tar Heel fan. Um, and you know, could have you could have been there. So um, yeah. it is such a special place. You and I were talking about, but you oh. did something really cool there recently. I want you to share all the details, but um, they're doing something really neat when it comes to um, football research and what it's doing for athletes. You know, nowadays. Yeah, I was contacted about a month, about two or three months ago uh, for a study that they were doing over there, and it was on former NFL players, and it's all about the cognizance in our brains. They want to study our brains a little bit, see what's going on. Uh, you know, I had to do some testing over the phone, memory tests and different things like that, and I've done them before. As I did my baseline for the NFL about seven or eight years ago out here, and it's pretty much the same stuff. You know, they want to do word association. How many words can you remember? Um, you know, different types of, uh, memory tests and things like that. So I did the one on the phone. They said, you're, you know, you, uh, are, uh, you, um, uh, we're, you're approved. Like, so we can have you over. So they wanted to know the dates. I gave them some dates. Next, you know, I'm on a plane over to North Carolina. And I I told you they gave me the option and I'm way out here in Arizona. They gave me the option to go to Wisconsin or to North Carolina (laughs) and actually Chapel Hill on the, I'm thinking, you know, Wisconsin, you can get that. Actually. I was like, oh, heck no. So I was like, so Chapel I was Hill, all set. Chapel Hill. Now, mind you, I haven't been on the campus since my recruiting trip back in 87. So a lot has changed since 1987. Yeah. So I fly over there. I fly through uh, Winston, and I'll fly through Charlotte, you know, get over there. I'm first time on campus in all these years. Uh, Unbelievable. The just, it all brought back so many memories. You yeah. Know? And I was there for, I flew in on a Tuesday and no rest. I went right from Tuesday landing. Now, obviously, you got to think about how early I had to get up here in Arizona to get over yeah. there and land. I go right from the airport to the hotel, and 45 minutes later, my driver's picking me up for my first MRI. So they wanted yeah. a full, you know, look at the body. And, you know, I've had so many surgeries. I've had three shoulders, two backs, both knees, yeah. you know. So they wanted to check everything out. Then, so that was my first taste on uh, Tuesday night. Wednesday was a full day of PET scans memory tests, forms to fill out, questions to answer, and did that from probably 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning all the way till 4 in the afternoon. And I said two PET scans that day, another one on Thursday before I left, and some other cognizant stuff. And by the time I, and they told me, by the time you leave, we're going to go you know, with all these PET scans. We're going to know if there's something going on, and we will let you know. We're not going to wait to give you the formal report. So I was like, good for that. So uh, fortunately... And, you know, God bless, you know, I have all my cognizant stuff, you know, my PET scans, everything came back clean and good, uh, which wow, is, you okay. know, and then and then they did a full report on, you know, my short term memory, my long term. memory, And it's it, it's I've done them before, but it, it is so draining. You know, like yeah. I said, the they'll give you 20 words, you know, one at a time and then they'll try to take you off course real quick and then remember those 20 words that we did yeah. how many can you you name and i was like oh my god cat dog uh fire eyes you know you right. and you feel you're so drained and you actually feel i almost caught stupid because you're like i should remember more of this and i but 
when it was all said and done, you know, I have good levels, but you know, I know I'm a little bad on my short term memory, but you know, everything else looked good, but it was a full line of testing. Like I said, three PET scans, the MRI, the memory stuff. And they also want to know how you're doing socially, you know, with some questions, you know, do you, you know, I don't, can't tell you how many times I had to answer. Do you hear voices? Do your voices tell you to do stuff to yourself? Do voices tell you to do stuff to other people? You know, just they want to, you know, so it was, by the time it was done, it was grueling. But at the same time, I got a chance to be on campus. I got a chance mm-hmm. to go over to the state, the football stadium. I sat yeah. in the stadium by myself, took some pictures, took some video. I'm on my way back from the stadium. I bump into Puff Johnson, yeah. member of the North Carolina Tar Heel basketball team. Now, mind you, when they were out here a few years ago in 2017, I actually, for the oh, NFL championship game, I was I was there for the semifinal and for the, the big one. And the mm-hmm. year, yeah. yeah. And I also went over to that one uh, in Houston. They won and then lost was, against Philadelphia. Before, so, yeah. so I follow. I am. I am devout. When you talk about North Carolina, when as soon as you said that you're down with the Tar Heels, you became <laughs> one of my favorite people in the world. Yes, I, I love bleed it. blue. I love the Tar. Now, like I said I love the fact that I was able to go back to the campus, and uh, you see all the balls and things behind me, the hats, and I just I told you I bought some socks last night, <laughs> or my socks came in, and I ordered some baseball jersey and long sleeve, you know, so I'm Tar Heel blue and blue. And like I said, the fact that I was able to go over to the campus and do this test and contribute to, you know, the, the, the lively, the, the, the life, you know, like basically give, give, um, I guess material for the study so they can see where we are as players. And, and then maybe there's another player that goes in. Cause it was, it was yeah. so secretive. There was only one other guy that was there while I was there never saw them every time mm. they would close my curtain when we were anywhere near each other. And, and when I came out, they closed it. So it's all anonymous. You know, we didn't even bump into each other at the hotel. I think they had them in a different hotel. So it's something that they do. And I hope they continue to do it uh, just to, to, to monitor players and what we go through after our post career. And it's all as it relates to CTE. Yes. Yes. And so They're, how did they target you? How did they kind of, how, how were they determining what, what players to use? Did they kind of give you any insight into that? Or do you think that will come out, you know, when they, they, they put a, they put a survey, they, they actually, did, it's almost, they put a survey out. If you like, you know, just, if you're an NFL player, we get certain emails and things and mm-hmm. it just came in an email. If you're interested, mm-hmm. please, you know, contact us, that type of thing. So they have the list no. of former players, you know, and some guys, don't want to be involved in it. I, I personally do know some guys that are really struggling and yeah. you know, the, hard, the hardest part is like for me, you know, I'm doing radio, I'm speaking, you know, and God willing, I hope my brain continues to do what it does. But I do know some guys through conversation and, 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 and my, my brother, he's had several instances where for his, some of his former teammates from college and uh pro, pro have taken their own lives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we know, the dangers that are out there from the era of football that we played in and they're trying to clean it up as best they can. It still is a violent game, but you know, as much as we can teach them from, you know, what we've gone through, meaning for former players, maybe it'll benefit or continue to benefit the players moving forward in the league and make it a safer game at all levels, not just at the pro level. Yeah. It's, it's really important, I think, and really cool that you're willing to be a part of that. You mentioned, some of your motivational speaking. And I'm curious how you got into that and kind of what sparked that passion. 
It was kind of the same thing as with, with my book, you know, for, for years, you know, people would hear my story, you know, cause a lot of times, cause I'm not a person that tells people what I do. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, what do you do? Well, why are you play some sports? You know, who'd you play for? You know, yeah. I run down the list and they, they find the story interesting. And just as you mentioned earlier about the, you know, never give up. I, I have so many messages throughout my, my journey that it just became something that people all of a sudden wanted to hear it more. And, you know, they wanted me to come out and, you know, speak to their group, uh, you know, whether it be uh, youth or business or whatever it is, you know, and, and so I started thinking, you know, I should probably do this a little more often, you know, yeah. and, and the same thing with my book, which was, you know, it's called easy does it the journey of a lifetime was published in 2005. I had no inclining to write a book, but every time I would tell somebody my story after I retired between 2000 you know, or 2001 and up till it was published in 2005, every time the, the first words out of people's mouth, when I would tell them a little briefing of my Man, he should write a book. And I kept thinking, you know, like a hundred people have told me this. I should probably listen to one of them. And so yeah. I took that as another task. And I, I actually wrote it all myself. And once I got my found my uh, publishing company, I, I was part of the editing process. And that was something else. And it you know, I was such a great experience as well, you know, writing it and helping with the editing process and, and the, the watching it go from my manuscript that I gave them to the finished product was unbelievable as well. So it's just, you know, part of my journey, the speaking and everything. And then even the radio, same thing. One day about, was it was a 2011, somebody asked me, what would you like to be doing right now? Other than with some of the things you are. And I was like, I don't know. Oh, you ever thought about doing radio? No, I mean, I do it all the time. You know, when people ask me to do their mm -hmm. show, you ever thought about doing your own show? I don't know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> and they said, no, I'm doing a little nightly show out here on the station in 2011. That did that for a couple of years. Next, you know, everybody's wanting me to be on their shows on NBC and this and that. And, that. and then an opportunity came for my show, which is called Easy Sports Talk. Uh, once again, my name, my nickname, Easy, but Easy Sports Talk um, started that. It'll be six years coming up uh, in March, you know, first, uh, awesome. we started in 2007, you know, on uh, 1060 AM, which was NBC sports radio at the time. It's now sports map radio, but I've done the whole evolution. And you know, now you start adding the podcasts and yeah. doing great shows like yours, you know, something I never thought I would be, you know, great at. And I think I'm, I, I hope I'm at least good people. You know, they, <laughs> I get, you know, I get you know, a few people to ask me to join them. And as long as people say, I don't stink, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely don't stink. I think it's, it's really cool, like to be able to do all of these things. And it's neat that they all relate to sports, but outside of sports, do you have any things that you love to do? Oh, I love, I, I love to ride my motorcycle. Nice. I'm not, I'm not, I can't get on as much as I used to because of my back. I just had my second back operation oh. a year and some change ago. So I took it out yesterday just to drop some Christmas cards off. And that's right. like, I was like, wow, just to get on, it feels good. But that's one of my things. I have a huge movie collection. I have like over a thousand DVDs. I you love still watch movies. them on the DVD player? Yes, I do. Oh, I, I love nice. it. I, I got all I got all the movie channels and stuff like that, but it's cool yeah. just to go it to the is. shelf yeah. when when you're in the mood for something, pull it off. Very and here's cool. the thing. If I don't, you know, who's gonna watch a thousand over a thousand DVDs? But that's my it's one of my passes, my collection. It's a collection. That. So what's it's like a, a favorite movie? My favorite all-time movie is the color purple. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yes. yes. That's like one of my mom's favorite movies, too. A close She'll probably second. tell you that's like her favorite. 
Okay, a close second is the Matrix, so you can see how far oh, different okay. spectrums. Different. I love yeah. the Matrix. Yeah, that's what that's one of my all time go tos as well. So I, that's those are my two favorite ones. Okay, very diverse, <laughs> but I like that. Yeah, <laughs> and then so do your are your kids into sports or? My 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 oldest son. I just was up for a visit to see my him and my grandkids about Aww. three weeks ago. They're going to be down for Christmas as well. Uh, he is actually in uh, medical school. He's finishing up. Amazing. He's, and he's you know I went up for my grandson's sec or third uh, birthday party. He Aww. and we had they had a little, little church and my son is out there you know dribbling and shooting because it was in a gym. I was like I don't remember that. You know, so he, <laughs> he's a, and my my twelve year old. I mean he wants to be like my my nephew so much. He's a football oh. and base basketball player. And, you know, he's got skills. Well, like education is first. We always, always remind him of that, but you know, if he puts his mind to it, I think he can be a good little athlete. Now the percentage of athletes to get to the pro level, you know, I always try to remind him it's, you know, everybody's not like your daddy, your mm -hmm. uncle and your nephew. So let's, you know, get that education first and we'll see where everything goes. But they, he definitely, you know, he, he has it in him. Yeah, he does a lot of things that I used to do too. Running around the backyard, throwing balls to himself. He'll just oh. out of nowhere, just run out of the house. Next, you know, I hear the basketball back there, and he's shooting. And and I and then I'll go see him practice. You know, when he plays in these leagues, sometimes I'm like, wow, he he's getting really good. So we'll see where that goes. But he definitely, bothly, my 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 oldest son, proud of him. You know, finishing up his residency and stuff like that. What does he want to be, son, or what kind of doctor? Pediatrician. Nice, amazing. Pediatrician. Yep. So well, proud, we proud know that's a, a tough grind. That's uh, what my boyfriend is doing. Not pe not pediatrics, but residency, and it's yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So yes, it, it's a hard. I, thing. I, you know, it's funny. I, I talk to my son, and I love to hear his stories about you know his different rotations and and mm -hmm. you know when people sit here, my background, they all they want to do is talk sports. You know, and I'm like, no, I want to talk about what you do. You yeah. know, and it's cool. My son, we go back and forth sometimes because he listens to all my podcasts and things that I do. And I'm going to steer him toward this one as well. Yeah. Great one. But he'll call me or tell me, you know, I listened to yesterday and I, but when we talk, I'm like, so tell me like, what was the craziest thing you've seen or you know what? And he's, he's going through these different rotations. I'm like, Oh my God. So it takes a special person to be a, a, a doctor. Absolutely. Especially someone dealing with, children too, because you're not only dealing with children, you're dealing with parents. Yes, so it's yeah. hard. Um, and it's, it's a very special thing, but no, the stories I think are crazy. And especially like, I don't know about you, but I'm really squeamish. Oh, so God. when somebody tells me anything and especially like you're talking about movies, I can't watch like anything. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like covering my eyes. I'm just you're missing the best parts. I know. I'm, 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 an, I'm the complete opposite. My brother's in medical school too. My boyfriend, um, and but my dad and I are both very squeamish, so we're like a paper cut, can't look at it. Um, so you I'm know, squeamish when I see it a little bit. I'll tell you a quick story. Oh. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor too, right? And we we had this pup, this dog, it was a mutt dog, and went out and got pregnant. I was probably 10, 11, 12, whatever it was. And my mom and dad were all upstairs, my brother's upstairs, and this dog is going into labor and they were like, somebody needs to go down there and take care of this. <laughs> so I was the one who went down. Oh my god! After I after I came back up the stairs, I was like, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. done. I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, that was just that, that was just dog. Yeah. <laughs> Did y'all keep the dogs? 
Oh yeah, yeah. We got oh. rid. We we gave some away, but yeah, we it was that was one of our favorite dogs. So, oh, was yeah. <laughs> okay, a question I ask everyone, and I feel like you'll have great um, a great answer for this because you do the motivational speaking and and all of that. Um, best piece of advice you've ever received. Wow, that is a good question. Whew, I'm trying to think who would have given it to me. I would probably say my dad. My dad instilled, and he passed away about, it'll be four years, this coming March, mm-hmm. but he was my rock. That dude was the one who, he, my dad believed in me more than I believed in myself most of the time. Best my dad, kind of dad. My dad think, thought to the day he passed away that I was the best athlete to ever walk this earth Aww. and compared to anybody. He just, and there were times when he motivated me to believe in myself more than, you know, than, than I did. And, you know, and that's important. There's, you know, some people a little too cocky. There are people that aren't confident enough in themselves. And there are people that are right there in the middle who, you know, have the humility, but also know they're doggone good at what they do. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people that always just kind of did it and never realized some of the things I accomplished or could accomplish. My dad was always there to kind of elevate me and let me know, mm-hmm. I think you're great. You should think you're great too. And yes. go do whatever it is that, you know, you want to do. And he was, you know, he was always, like I said, he was, nobody was prouder of me, uh, me and my, my brother and I, than my dad. And it was funny. We have stories like he was, you know, because obviously we're athletes. We around other great athletes, Jerry Rice's and people like that. Uh, and my dad would be standing talking to somebody and like, well, you know, my son, you know, he's probably one of the best athletes in the world. You know, talking to somebody like a uh, Jerry Rice or uh, <laughs> what's the one he did? Uh, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah oh my Thomas. god! <laughs> he was telling my how was my dad telling Isaiah I Thomas love that about how <laughs> like, and then I later find out the story. I'm like, pop. That was Isaiah Thomas you were talking to. Like, He's like, care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, my dad, biggest fan and always, like I said, was always there for me to make me believe in myself. That's special, though, because I think parents that do that to you and lift you up make, like you said, make you believe in yourself and feel really supported. And I certainly have parents like that. And it's mm-hmm. helped me be confident. And that has to be like the first line, right? To help you kind of be who you are. Um, and on the flip, really on the cool. flip side, on the flip side, my dad was super critical of me when he knew I didn't put the time or the effort in, especially sure. when I was younger, you know, being a great athlete, you just do it on talent. You don't want to practice. You don't want to go in the backyard and pitch, you know, get ready for this weekend's tournament or something. And when I didn't, perform up to my level he always reminded me of why i didn't yeah. i was always very critical of you have to put i don't care how great you think you are or i think you are you have to put the time and effort in and that's just not with sports with everything you do in your life and like i said he knew you know i couldn't be asked my dad he knew when i put the time in and he knew what i accomplished when i did what i did going from baseball to football and that's why he was you know so proud of what uh you know what i what i was able to pull off did you have a hard time changing your body to make oh, that change? I was a t- baseball player, 6'4", about 220. Sometimes played a little heavy at 230 at third yeah. base, you know. And But that was baseball weight. That was not heavy right. lifting. That was, I, I, when I finished that baseball season in 95, I was in uh, Ohio, went over to Jersey real quick, and I'd already had a plan to come back out here to uh, uh, Arizona at the time 
Pat Murphy was the baseball coach, was also my ba- brother's baseball coach at Notre Dame. Cool. He's a baseball coach at ASU. Probably he's like, look, I got a dude that'll work out with or work you out every day. Uh, you can use the facility, et cetera, et cetera. So I actually did all my training on the campus at ASU, mm. in the weight room, on the field, just alone with my trainer. I went from well, skinny, not skinny, but a baseball player at 225 right. or so to when I entered the NFL, I was 250 and, you know, lean and muscled and all that kind of stuff. And it was no false, no fake um, muscles. Everything yeah. was in the gym, no steroids, no nothing. And, uh, you know, but that's how I transformed the body. But it was it was kind of cool, you know, looking at that. Oh, I wish I had that body now. But, yeah, that, oh, my goodness, it was so, you know, I was always a good-looking baseball player, but I was a doggone good-looking yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's a completely different body type. Yeah, yeah. Um, before I let you go, because um, I feel like we could keep talking for a while, but um, you mentioned some of the just legends you played against and with. Um, anyone else come to mind when you just think of just these incredible athletes you had the opportunity to play either with or against that um, you maybe you, uh, you never thought you would? You will love this one. When Michael Jordan was in the Southern League in 1994 Ooh. with the White Sox, I was with the Cubs that year in Orlando. And Mike no and I got to know each other really well. Because what happened was, you know, he was a traveling freak show. Everywhere he went, it was our stands, yeah. the stands were full. So he was they had to actually let, you know, there was standing room only at our stadium every time <laughs> they came to play us. But I remember the first time he came, all of our te- my teammates, they're falling over. And I'm looking across. I'm like, yeah, that's Michael Jordan, you know. Dude is my legend, you know, as a North Carolina man, you know, (laughs) our three-time NBA champion. But I didn't, I was like, well, right now he's playing baseball. That's just Michael Jordan playing baseball. I remember the first time batting practice, I'm sitting out there and Mike, he's walking by. I was like, hey, MJ, what's going on? He's like, what's going on, big man? You know, so next thing you know, over over the course of the entire season, we played them probably 15 times, you know, at our stadium there. In the first meeting, you know, Michael was taking bat practice. We're talking and, you know, I'm playing third base. He's like, you know, I'm gonna get one down the line on you. <laughs> I, said, I said, Mike, look, I said, you can try as you might. I said, this hot corner down here, I got this locked down. So he made a mission and every game we played them at our place, at his place. It was, it was almost like competition. And he'd always, he started calling me Big E. He's like, Big E, I'm gonna get you, man. I was like, my, I was like, yeah, MJ, look. So we, and this, and I'm not making this up. The very last game we were playing them that year, we're at our stadium in Orlando, Tinker Field. And he kept reminding me that he was going to get one down the line. I was like, you know, you've been trying all year, Mike. And we became just great friends. One trip he came in, he was like, hey, where are we going tonight after the game? I'm like, me and you? He was like, so he had his driver come over, pick me up. We went out to a club. I'm rolling with Michael Jordan. He had, they had to call ahead to the club we were going at. VIP that roped it off me, him and his handler. And I talked to my guys are coming out. Some of his guys from the team, they come out where, and then after a while, it was like, it was like a, being in a fishbowl. He was like, look, let's get out of here. He called uh, one of his buddies on the Orlando Magic. I can't remember his name. And he had like a little after hour speakeasy thing. So it was me, Michael and his handler, George in the car, my car, we, we roll over. So I'm rolling with Michael Jordan. This is a, that was the way my year went. So we get to the very last game of the year and he keeps reminding me. And I was like, Mike, you've been trying all year. Come on, stop it. So it was like his second or third at bat. This big old six foot six and I'm <laughs> playing deep and kind of shading to the line. He fakes a drag button. I come charging, right? 
and he does, but he doesn't bunt it. And I stopped and I looked at him. So I was like, okay, you can play that now. Right? <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, so it's cat and mouse now. We're playing back and forth, playing back and forth. Next thing you know, our pitcher hangs us a change up. Mike is out front of it, one hopper down the line. I do my one step dive. I land. All I see is chalk fly up. I look up, and the umpire is pointing fair. Oh. And I said, I, I literally, I got up. I'm dusting myself off. I look over, and he's cruising into second base oh. with the biggest smile you could imagine on his face. Later on, he got over to third base on the ground ball, and we had a pitching change. So imagine this. Is, and I got a picture of this. It's me, Michael, and um, uh, his manager that year, who's the Terry Francona. Oh. The three of us standing there, and I played under Terry when I was with the White Sox. So we yeah. know. I'm standing there, and Michael could – I mean, he gave me so much. He was like – and I, was, I, I couldn't say you. anything. That, but he was – that shows, you know, like his determination. He was not going to be satisfied mm-hmm. unless he accomplished that. I give him so much credit because that was like – he could have forgot about that after mm-hmm. the first time we played him that year. He made it a mission. And I don't know how he pulled it off. Because like I said, I was pretty good down. Anything going down the line, I was going to get. He got that one hopper past me. Oh. and. I tell you this after the game, we you know because after the game you know about to end. I was like, hey, MJ, it's been a pleasure, man. Love you, bro. You know we'll see. Hopefully, see you down the road, and good luck on your journey here. And we all know what happened after that. He went back to baseball. Yeah. I get over to my get over to the clubhouse, and our bat boy comes over with two pair of Jordan shoes. Stop. Game one, and he says to me, Mr. Jordan sent these over to you. And everybody, everybody throughout the entire year who every time he came in town, they want to get ball signed. They want to do this. I never asked him for one single thing. Yeah. I think he appreciated that. And, and it was like, I was like, are you kidding me? I was, and everybody was looking at me like, oh my God. He's that's so, amazing. <laughs> yeah. But that's my, you know, you're talking about your eye. Cause then Vince, he went back to basketball and yeah. I, was, I, I was huge. I mean, I was a bigger Bulls fan. Almost, I was just as big a Bulls fan as I am a North Carolina fan at the time sure. when Jordan was there. So for him to win those three, come, I got to play baseball with him, and then him going his way, and then let me see. Hold on just a second here. You have those shoes? The shoes are actually downstairs in a case. I was looking to see if I had Amazing. a couple of the pictures here. Oh, I was wondering, if you, I mean, you had to have hung on to them. Hold, yes, yes. Hold on just a second. Okay. Here is the famed MJ and myself after he got the ball down the line on me. Wait, lower it a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit lower. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. That is an iconic photo. Wait, you'll have to take a photo and send that to me, too, because that is amazing. I have them all on. I'll send a, I'll send you a video copy of it. But that was after he had hit the ball down. And it's one – we didn't – you know, when you're playing ball and stuff like that, you don't know when people are taking pictures. That was just one of those – Great moments. There was a pitching change. Him and I have one of him, I and uh, Terry Francona. We're all standing there talking as well. Uh, but it's one of those things where, like, who could I couldn't make that up? You know, no. MJ, you know, MJ and myself. You know, that's one of my prized possessions: the, sh- the shoes and the picture. You know, I send you pictures of the shoes too. But it's just one of those things where I I look back. And I'll quickly I'll explain. I feel like my life is kind of like you know, you ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? Yeah. 
where Forrest just seemed like he was always somewhere where something was happening. Mm-hmm. I feel like part of my life, like through my sports career, is like, what luck did I have to be in double A mm-hmm. that year when I probably should have been up in triple A with the Cubs? They sent me to double A, and that's the year that MJ is there, and I get a chance to do this and then, yeah. you know, go over to the World League and do certain things. And, you know, in the NFL, it's like I felt like Forrest Gump as I was in spots and just, it's amazing. Like I said, I, I can only, like I said, I, I'm, I'm such a blessed person, no matter what, you know, body condition, things I, you know, we all sometimes go through. I'm like, man, you've lived a good life so far. So. Yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it and kind of a, a great way to put a, a bow on this episode too, is like, we're just lucky. And I mean, you obviously worked really hard too. Right. But, um, you had a lot of, good blessings and i think yeah, that's a really yeah. nice way to look at it exactly and i can't thank you know that i do a lot of these and sometimes they're oh you just get through them you do them this one i really enjoyed and i thank you for having me on and just a great conversation i've really you know like i said now one of these days i'm gonna have you on our show out here in arizona too oh well that means so much to me truly <laughs> thank you thank you for being here um where can everyone find you so they can keep up with you uh easy or let me see ed smith speaks are all my handles that's my instagram my twitter that's ed smith speaks uh if you want to check out anything i'm doing easy uh ed edsmithspeaks.com i'm sorry that's my website <laughs> they you can catch the radio page i got a page where people if you're interested in checking out the book easy does it the journey of a lifetime every book is signed personally by me and sent out by me so if you go on line to the uh, book page you know you purchase it and i'll get a copy out to you um and like i said we do the easy sports talk show out here in arizona on kdus 1060 a.m every saturday from 10 to noon arizona time and you know um just like i said i'm all over the place with the believe in the arizona cardinals podcast you want to check that out and then i do great shows like yours uh, as as often as i can (laughs) well this has been so wonderful and I, i again so appreciate you always nice to connect with fellow Believe hosts and um, just great athletes and people like you. So, um, Ed Smith, thank you so much. And um, this has been just such a treat. Thank you. Same here. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. 